0: Heavenly Father, we are forever grateful that by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we are bought, we are a redeemed people, we are an everlasting people, sealed by the Holy Spirit, looking forward to the day of our redemption, all because of the finished work of our Savior, your Son, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth and to call a people to yourself from throughout time and to see the church stand as it has throughout time. Knowing that the gates of Hades will not prevail against your church, Lord, we we persevere, we run with endurance and we thank you for the grace, grace upon grace granted to us Lord, not only to save us, but to enable us to stand each and every day, to persevere, to know that we've been forgiven, grace that enables us to forgive, grace that enables us to understand the living word, to apply the living word, that when we fall down, we're able to get back up again. We thank you for the comfort that there is within the church. We thank you for the encouragement that there is within the church as we serve together the head of the church, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the reformation. We thank you that throughout history we can look back and see how your hand of providence has upheld and sustained those who are called by your name to proclaim truth. Though much blood has been shed, the gospel goes forth. We thank you for that pray that you'll bless the remainder of our time this evening together and for your people I thank you and the grace granted to us in Christ Jesus amen well that's a pretty good turnout it's October 31st November 1st is All Saints Day a day that commemorates those that have been martyred for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ But October 31st is actually Reformation Sunday. As I said, it was the day Christianity was recaptured. So we're joined together to celebrate and rejoice. And the road to the Reformation began when the Roman Catholic Church began to assert inclusive interpretive control of the Bible. And throughout that power, they created a system, a system of merit, and that's what man, man is prone to. He's prone towards merit, works. And that manner of merit was to point people in the direction of salvation. The church had taken on Christ's role as mediator. Leadership in the Roman Catholic Church was in a period of decay, decline, corruption, commercialism, immorality. And Pope Leo of Rome needed money to build St. Peter's Church. And to do so, he made an agreement with a German archbishop to help Leo build the cathedral. And he proclaimed throughout Germany an indulgence. For the sake of building St. Peter's. He began to manipulate people and proposed a manner in which people could actually purchase their penance and forgiveness. Promising that this exchange of money to build St. Peter's would actually restrain God's wrath. And it was sung at that time, each time a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. People under massive oppression. Incredible manipulation. Showing you the the extreme in which man will go to save himself. But the sale of indulgences infuriated one Martin Luther, former monk, And on October 31st, 1517, he nailed a document containing 95 theses against this and many other practices on the door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany. And in response, Pope Leo issued a decree that demanded Luther to recant or be excommunicated and Luther burned it in public. In 1521, Luther appeared before the August assembly of the emperor, his princes, his dukes, and the papal delegation of Rome. And Luther was asked if he were prepared to recant the errors contained in his writings and in his beliefs. He requested a day to respond. He returned to his chambers and he prayed. He sought counsel. And he prayed diligently before he took his stand. And Luther responded, I will answer without horns and without teeth unless I'm convicted by scripture and plain reason. I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils for they have frequently erred and contradicted themselves. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything. For to go against my conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do all other. God help me. Amen. There's a man for you. But the Reformation, beloved, reaches far beyond Luther. Far beyond the church doors of Wittenberg with the likes of the pre-reformers, men like Waldo, Wycliffe, and John Huss. John Huss, who was burned at the stake 100 years before Luther entered the scene. And the last words of John Huss were as follows, quote, in 100 years God will raise up a man whose calls for reform cannot be suppressed. That was in 1415. And almost exactly 100 years later in 1517 is when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses of contention, a list of 95 issues of heretical theology and crimes of the Roman Catholic Church to that door. The prophecy of Hus had come true. There's a man for you. Which... which produced for us three dominant reformers of the day, Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin, followed by their successors, Melanchton, Bollinger, and Beza. And then it was carried on by the post-reformers. Now, these men, beloved, are not to be deified. We don't worship Calvin. We don't worship Luther. We don't worship them in any way. Nevertheless, we thank God for those men and we remember those men by what the Lord did in his providence through those men. The things they stood for, the things they stood against, beloved. And we look at that with great, great regard and great appreciation. So we are, beloved, forever indebted and we must carry on the work that they began Pacific Hope Church is reforming. Pacific Hope Church will continue to reform just in the way we do things. For the glory of God. Let's give one big amen to that. They taught us to continue in the teaching of scripture. That the church must maintain scriptural direction. A continuance of reformation. So these men were the forerunners, making scripture progress, moving it forward, proclaiming scriptural inerrancy, faithfulness to the word of God. So we must also carry on these principles. We must continue to be reformers, faithful faithful to the integrity of the word of God, the life of Christ in His church. So the church, beloved, is an edifice that stands with five pillars as her support that re- resembles life itself. And what we want to look at tonight briefly are these five pillars, which carry the theme of the word alone, alone, or in Latin, sola, sola. Five things that we, as his church, must know, we must embrace these truths, and we must carry on the teaching of these truths. So let's look at them together. The first one is sola scriptura. Sola scriptura. Scripture alone. Now, this was the cry of the Reformation. Sola scriptura. And those who preceded Luther... This was their call. They tested what men were doing. They tested what religious, what the religious hierarchy of the day was doing, was saying, was teaching in light of the scriptures. Therefore they stood. Therefore they opposed. Therefore they protested. And Luther said, unless I'm convinced by scripture, I cannot and I will not recant. This is what cost. Huss, his very life. This is what cost William Tyndale, who would later transfer the Bible into English, to be strangled at the stake and then burned. Great men of God. Burned by the Roman Catholic hierarchy of the day. In 1521... At the historic interrogation of Luther at the Diet of Worms, he declared his conscience to be captive to the word of God and he said this, quote, unless I'm overcome with testimonies from scripture with evident reasons, for I believe neither the Pope nor the councils, since they have often erred and contradicted one another, I am overcome by the scripture text which I have adduced and my conscience is bound by the word of God. End quote. May our consciences be Bound, beloved, by the word of God, amen. Similarly, the Belgic Confession states, we believe that the holy scriptures fully contain the will of God and that whatsoever man ought to believe unto salvation is sufficiently taught therein. Neither may we consider any writing of men however holy these men may have been. Of equal value with those divine scriptures, nor ought we to consider custom or the great multitude or antiquity or succession of times and persons or councils, decrees or statutes as of equal value with the truth of God. Therefore, we reject with all our hearts whatsoever does not agree with this infallible rule." What does the psalmist say in Psalm 119? Open my eyes, they may behold wondrous things in your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. That's what you are, beloved, a sojourner. Hide not your commandments from me, O Lord. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. And that's not to attain salvation. That's because of salvation. It's the product of salvation. A love for the word of God. Psalm 138, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Can we agree with the psalmist, beloved, whose first love is the scripture, the holy word of God? Or have other things won over our, our affections? What monopolizes our time? If we were to document our time in a week, what would occupy the majority of our time outside of work? Food for thought. Does scripture capture our minds? Does scripture capture our hearts and our very lives? The word of God says of itself, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. The word of God. Do we get our counsel from the word of God? Do we seek wisdom from the scriptures? It is, the, is it the food that nourishes our very soul? Is it like the milk that a baby needs to survive? The scriptures. Sola scriptura the first of five pillars that hold up the church secondly a sola gratia grace alone grace alone beloved that is our favorite word amen as bloodbought saints grace and how do we know that it's by grace alone we know it by scripture alone the scripture declares the grace of god now this was the central cry of the reformation The salvation was by grace alone. Not by merit of any kind, but by grace. Now, this was in the midst of the Roman Catholic Church that taught that mass is a, quote, sacrifice which is truly propitiatory. And that by the mass, God grants us grace and the gift of of penitence remits our faults and even our enormous sins. It's not a wonder people go to mass numerous times a week and almost trample on one another to get there. They don't understand grace, the grace of God alone in Christ alone. You see, the reformers return to the biblical truth of the doctrine of salvation by grace alone. So our righteous standing before God, beloved, is imputed to us by the grace and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord, in contrast to the doctrines of self-merit that were taught by Rome and are taught to this day. Sola gratia. And the accompanying doctrines of grace, total depravity, Unconditional election, particular redemption, perseverance of the saints. Those are all grace acts of God. They were preached by the reformers. They've been preached throughout time. They've been preached to this day. And they're preached from this pulpit just the same. Grace alone. All of salvation, every aspect of salvation, is by grace alone. You're saved by grace is the Baptist Confession of 1689 says, quote, Christ by his obedience and death did fully discharge the debt of all those that are justified and did by the sacrifice of himself and the blood of his cross undergoing in their stead the penalty due unto them make a proper, real, and full satisfaction to God's justice in their behalf. Their justification is only of free grace that both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. Hallelujah, amen, and end quote. I should say end quote, hallelujah, amen. (laughs) See, Luther's issue was, does man initiate and assist in divine forgiveness? Is this part man, part God, or does God provide, initiate, effect, and complete the full-orbed salvation for lost sinners so that all the glory must be attributed to a sovereign God who provides sovereign grace? That's what he was standing against. That's what he was heralding. That's what he was willing to die for. That's what he experienced this supernatural spiritual warfare that he faced. It was because of that truth. Luther saw grace alone, sola gratia, as the watershed issue of his position and of his day. That's man. Free grace, not free will. Not free will, free grace, grace alone. That's what the church needs. It has to be grace. The church is built upon grace alone. Not human decision, not human manipulation, not secular methodology, grace, grace alone. Ephesians chapter one, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. The grace is what he lavished upon us. The grace is what he lavished upon you. The grace of God in Christ is what he continues to lavish upon you. That's why you're able to stand. That's why you're able to persevere. That's why when you fall down, you want to get up again. And that's why when you fall down and get up again, you feel clean again, cleansed again, purified again. It's grace. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Merit? What can you add to this? It's grace alone. The true gospel message is grace alone. Do you, beloved, embrace sola gratia? Do you love sola gratia? Because you need, beloved, grace to stand. You obviously need grace to be saved. You need grace to be able to be forgiven. And you need grace to be able to forgive others. You need grace to uphold you. You need grace to sustain. You need, you need grace to accompany you. You need grace to lead you. That's a great prayer to have as a Christian. Pray for grace. Pray for more grace and then pray for some more grace. Grace to be a strong Christian. Grace to be one who wants to read the word. Grace to understand the word. Grace to proclaim the word. Grace to encourage your brothers and sisters in the word. Grace to counsel people. Grace for everything. Grace, grace, grace as a Christian, amen? Sola gratia, number three. Sola fide. Now, Luther is a Catholic monk, sought ways to find God's favor. He would fast. He would deny himself. He would inflict punishment upon himself to the point of drawing blood. You you ever seen people whip themselves in the black until they draw blood? Trying to atone for their sins? They're trying to find a way of works towards God. Once he was saved and realized Jesus is your righteousness, he was a miserable man. Jesus is your righteousness, and you believe that by faith alone. Finally, grabbing hold of the righteousness that was not his own, but the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, this caused this man to be driven, unstoppable. You see, faith is a device. Faith is a device which is a gift of God that unites you with Christ, enables the soul to partake of Christ. We need grace to have faith. A partaker of Christ himself, baptized into Christ, buried into Christ, cloaked in the righteousness of Christ. So the material principle, if you will, of the Reformation was justification by faith alone. Faith enables us, beloved, to see Christ to abandon human effort, to cast ourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith because of grace, according to the scripture. And the more opposition that Luther faced, the longer he fought against a man-centered religious system, the more he grew in understanding faith alone. I do confess this article, he said, That faith alone without works justifies us in the sight of God. And I declare, Luther said, that in spite of the emperor of the Romans, the emperor of the church, the pope, all cardinals, bishops, priests, monks, nuns, kings, princes, nobles, all the world, and all devils, this truth shall forever stand sola fide. That's exciting. That's a man. Not a perfect man, but that's a man. That's a man of God, by the grace of God. So may we, beloved, live. May we love. May we continue to learn and grow in sola fide. May we walk by faith. May we live by faith. May we, by the grace of God exercise faith always 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 looking to Christ trusting him not ourselves but having faith in Christ alone what does galatians chapter 3 say let me tell you what it says just as abraham believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness know then that this that it is those of faith who are the sons of abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Merit? Merit? Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. Sola fide. Number four. Fourth great pillar. Sola Christos. In Christ alone. Do you not love the Lamb of God? Do you not love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? You know why you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Because he loved you first. He commenced the relationship and he will continue the relationship and your love for him will grow because you will continue to understand his love for you. It's Christ alone. The Roman church held that there is a purgatory and that the souls there detained are helped by the intercessions of the faithful and that saints are to be venerated and invoked, end quote. You've ever heard people pray to the saints? Well, you're a saint. Don't pray to me, another saint, a fellow saint. Don't pray to some saint that's in heaven because your mediator is Jesus Christ. It's Christ alone, sola Christos. He's your mediator, It's not Mary, it's not Mother Teresa, it's Jesus Christ. So the Reformation called the church back to faith in Christ as the sole mediator between God and man, and they taught that salvation was by Christ's work, alone. There's a lot of alones here. So by the active obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, upholding the law and his passive obedience, laying down his life as the penalty for sin by way of his own death, he has satisfied the justice of God. It is by Christ alone that any man or woman stands righteous. The wages of sin is? death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no other name given from heaven that any man be saved. It is Christ Jesus. There's no other way for anyone to enter into the presence of God but through Christ alone. Only Christ could pay the eternity of death's sufferings in six hours on a cross to infinitely satisfy the Father's wrath and to uphold his justice. Who else could possibly do that? It takes a perfect man. And to be a man who's perfect, you have to be God. Therefore, it's in Christ alone. And he became a curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. As John Calvin said in the Institutes of the Christian Religion, quote, Christ stepped in, took the punishment upon himself, bore the judgment due to sinners. With his own blood, he expiated, which means to remove the sins which made them enemies of God, Ephesians 2, that Junior read from, and thereby satisfied him. We look to Christ alone for divine favor and fatherly love. You can't be loved by the father by bypassing the son. No one can know God the Father unless they are in the Son. They know the Son because they can only know the Father because of the Son. It's in Christ alone. All who come to faith must, must come by way of Christ alone. Sola Christus. So may we, beloved, live and may we love the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, according to his grace, as revealed through the scriptures. Listen to 1 Timothy 2 and Colossians 1. There is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time, for he he delivered us from the d- the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You're a kingdom child. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him, and all things, beloved, have been created for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He's the head, we're the body. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Sola Christos, in Christ alone. Number five, Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. So, the Reformation reclaimed the scriptural teaching of the sovereignty of God over every aspect of the believer's life. He is sovereign. All of life is to be lived to the glory of God for the believer because we've been enabled to do so by grace according to faith, as revealed through the scripture. This was the hallmark of the Reformation that would be defined and then refined by Calvin because Calvin would take this torch and he would really define, and I said, redefine this doctrine of soli deo gloria. Just read the Institutes. I don't know that there's anyone who had a higher view of God than Calvin. That's why we're Calvinistic. Calvinistic. Because we, by the grace of God, want to to, to apprehend and hold on to this very high view of God in all things. When he was facing death, Calvin, that is, he was full of disease, he said this, very famous words, you may know them or not, doesn't matter, you will now. My heart, he said, I offer To thee, O Lord, promptly and sincerely, glory to God alone. So the lives of these men, beloved, were laid out. They were laid bare for the glory of God alone. These men knew without a doubt that their lives were not their own because they were owned. And the reason they were owned is that they were bought, purchased at a great price, the price of Calvary. Cloaked in the righteous robes of the Lamb. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question What is the chief end of man? And what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's your purpose. So, this great and all consuming purpose was emphasized here by those of the 16th and 17th century that we tonight. Commemorate, we remember, we appreciate, and we, think, we thank God for these men and what they stood for. Reforming the church. The five solas, the five pillars that hold the church in an upright position. So, the climax of it all, beloved, is summed up in Paul's letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 36, which reads, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The reformer saw all of life as being under the lordship Of the Lord Jesus Christ. So may we too, beloved, love and live for the glory of God. May we remind one another that we love and we live for the glory of God. All that we do is for the glory of God. The suffering that we experience is for the glory of God. Our success is for the glory of God. Our riches are for the glory of God. If we're poor, it's for the glory of God. Strong and healthy, for the glory of God. Sick and downcast is for the glory of God. You may not know why this side of eternity, but it's for the glory of God. So we believe that all things will work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose as a testimony of his power, of his purpose, and his person, as well as his plan. So we must continue to live out this reformation legacy. So we, may we live and may we breathe by faith alone, in his grace alone, according to scripture alone, by Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Amen? Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the great reformation. We thank you for your grace that has called us to a life of understanding that being a believer is to be understood by scripture alone. Because of the grace of God alone in Christ Jesus alone, by faith alone for the glory of God alone. May that be the testimony of our lives. Grant your people, including myself, this kind of grace to uphold us and to sustain us and to cause us to persevere, Lord, with these five glorious pillars of truth. Be blessed this day, Lord, By your people, I pray, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, beloved, let's stand once again and let's sing together hymn number 97, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.